Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about become empowered by your emotions rather than stuck in them. First, by understanding their purpose, and then by understanding how to manage them or what the dynamics of managing an emotion are like and what the purpose of that is. When I was first doing a lot of self-work, the idea that feelings aren't facts was really helpful for me to take some of the weight off of the charge that was happening in my body and the stories that I was telling in my head. However, it's also important to remember that feelings do still matter. Just because they're not facts about the outside world doesn't mean that they have no value. Honoring the experience that you're having in an emotion, as well as honoring when someone else is in an emotion, are really important. And they're actually critical to being able to process emotions and use the power that is underlying those emotions, taking them out of a dysfunctional place and into a functional place. I've talked about aspects of this the past two episodes, but to engage this in more depth, I invited Dr. Mavis Mazura. PhD in leadership psychology to join me on today's episode to have a conversation about this topic. She is an adult development and leadership psychologist, international behavioral science and performance specialist, OD consultant and practitioner with experience in human dynamics and organizations. She is a multiple award-winning global training and development leader and coach, author of several books, including Self-Leadership, Navigating the Rapids and Waves of Life, 10 Lessons to Managing Emotions for Success, Managing Emotions for Financial Freedom, and others. Trainer, facilitator, and keynote speaker at public and private engagements, Mavis has studied and worked in the Netherlands, Zimbabwe, South Africa, and the United States, so has a diversity of experience with a truly global cosmopolitan mindset. She has spoken at conferences, trained, and coached individuals and teams across organizations in Uganda, Ethiopia, Kenya, Rwanda, Botswana, South Africa, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Nambia, Swaziland, Mozambique, Ghana, Nigeria, Benin, Sierra Leone, Dubai, Canada, United States, Australia, India, Vietnam, Turkey, and United Kingdom. I first became familiar with Mavis through a quote that I found of hers that I used in a workbook around emotions, and it occurred to me, oh, I might be able to find her on LinkedIn. (laughs) So I looked her up, found her, and followed her. And then she followed me back, and we started a conversation that has brought you this interview, as well as, for me, a new friendship with a colleague. I share this because I think it's an important reminder of how social media can be helpful, and also that it never hurts to reach out. You never know what's going to come of it. It truly is a small world. Mavis and I had so much in common and some things that you may find familiar as well, such as that experience of checking off all the boxes, doing all the right things and still finding yourself feeling stuck and unfulfilled. Yeah. Some of what we talked about includes how emotions feed holistic well-being, 
the role of emotions in corporate change, when emotions get you stuck versus help you move, separating emotions and identity, spiritual bypassing blocks to emotional processing, and a five-step process to manage an emotion. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that this will be the only episode in this month of September. I will be back in October with episodes on the topics around dealing with imposter syndrome and making friends with your inner critic, which seemed appropriate for the month of Halloween. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that spooky fun. Also, I have a few upcoming workshops, so be sure to check the show notes for links to those if you are interested in digging in deeper on those topics of emotions as well as your inner critic. And now, without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. Welcome, Mavis. I'm so excited to have you on Unlimited today. I am so looking forward to this conversation, Valerie, and thanks for having me. Would you share just a little bit about yourself and and what brought you to where you are today? Okay, so I my background is HR. If I look at my academic and, and professional qualifications, my background is HR. I've got an honors degree in HR and a master's degree in human resource and employment. My first degree, I started in Zimbabwe, somewhere in Southern Africa. And my second degree, I did it in the Netherlands. That was my master's degree. And then I did my doctorate in the US. So I've been globetrotting, trying to find wisdom. And I am outside of the qualifications. I mean, I spend most of my days in different organizations, helping organizations with human dynamics, whether it is conflict, emotional intelligence, leadership coaching, bullying. Recently, I've been working with teams that are melting down post-COVID effects. So I also do a lot of team interventions and team effectiveness, team alignment sessions, leadership coaching, as mentioned. But outside of the work environment, I really love traveling. So I do have a goal of going to 100 countries and I'm currently just sitting on 31. So I need to find a way of doing 69. (laughs) Hopefully sooner. And I'm a mother of two boys, 15 and 9. And also an aunt, a sibling, a sister, a friend, and a wife. I'm married as well. So I think that, I don't know, gives you an overall feel of who am I? How did I get to this place in my life? So after completing my master's degree, I realized that I had this and fulfillment. Like I was working, but I was not where I thought I would be. I had high expectations of myself and where I thought I would get post master's degree, but I felt stuck and I was not really getting what I wanted. And I remember one evening watching a documentary by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Now I think it's called The Shift, but it used to be called From Ambition to Meaning. And I watched that and that really just really resonated with where I was in my life, where I felt like I needed more out of life. And he's talking about we will get more out of life if we live a life of meaning rather than a life of ambition, because that's where I was wanting to climb the corporate ladder, wanting to get all the status symbols. And I thought there I was not really there to actually be able to achieve those things. And so it felt my life was kind of empty. 
But when I then resonated with documentary, I started searching for something different. I wanted a life of meaning rather than a life of ambition. And I stepped out of corporate and I started a consulting company and I started learning about emotional intelligence because I realized I battled a lot with my own emotions. And also I saw a lot of battles with emotions within the corporate space, how people treated each other, how people engaged with each other, and how emotions actually got interfered with performance. And so it became a topic that I was really interested in. And I had various certifications on emotional intelligence. And then after that, working with organizations for 10 years, I also wanted to do my doctorate. I'd always had a dream to do a doctorate, but I was also looking for something that would help me to further my understanding around emotions. So I did a doctorate in leadership psychology because I was basically pursuing a further, more deep understanding of emotions and how they influence what we do on a daily basis in organizations or in our personal lives as well. Yeah, I resonate so much with that. I just love hearing your journey and how that's unfolded. And also... Tell me when you figure out how to get to all of the countries. I don't know if I feel quite as uh, ambitious, but I would love to get to some more. So that is, I'm I'm in great admiration <laughs> of your already traveledness. I'm curious. So thinking about that life of meaning and especially that work around emotions, what meaning does this work have for you? So this has such huge meaning because emotions are not something that are taught in school. And yet they affect every aspect of our lives, whether it is finances, whether it is our spirituality, whether it is health, physical health, whether it is mental health, you know, whether it is your career. People get stuck because of emotions. You get disappointed because you've been bypassed for promotion and you get stuck right there. So for me, this is so meaningful to be able to be of service and help people to understand their emotions, but not only understand them, but to be able to utilize them to thrive. For them to also find their own life of meaning, not that emotions interfere with them and stop them from, you know, achieving the life that they could potentially be able to achieve. For me, that is very, very meaningful. And it allows me to speak in various stages. I speak in churches where people have religious beliefs and then realize that they're actually stuck because of the emotions, right? And so for me, this is really meaningful because people sometimes come back to me and say, do you know that I was suffering from depression? And I'm healed. And I'm like, I'm not a medical practitioner. <laughs> Disclaimer here. <laughs> but that's so good if you are finding that that has that had that impact. But I would also still say, you know, follow your medical process or medication that you've been on. So for me, it's so, so meaningful. And it's deep. For me, it's really deep. It's spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel very similarly in that. That disconnect that we have from such an important part of ourselves, Mm -hmm. even just reconnecting that opens up so much more in terms of an ability to move. Like if you think about just like our organs and how our body is processed, if you have a blockage in one area, it impacts the whole of you. And with that disconnect from emotions and understanding that information that's coming to us through that, Mm -hmm. that disconnect is naturally going to create a stuckness in all the other areas of life. And I feel like going back to the feelings, (laughs) I feel like there are so many structures in our societies that Mm. are designed to block us from the emotions because they interrupt 
the or seemingly interrupt the efficiency of the structure or the way the structure is designed to work. And I'm really curious about how that interplays with the work that you do both in corporate spaces, like helping organizations work better and integrate that both for individuals to be integrated into with their emotions and to be able to have that support them, but also how that functions in the corporate space and the changes that might invite like when you have people who are in touch with their emotions who actually like have that clarity and that engagement and how that creates change for individuals within a company but also that necessitates change within the company that was like a really really big question there but (laughs) but let's try to talk through it and see what we can talk about in, in that area So I think, you know, I find that, you know, we hear this, our performance on anything depends on how we feel about it. So what basically means is that outcomes, results in organizations, goals, objectives in organizations, they really hinge around the emotional content of the people in that organization. So if people are not in touch of the emotions, it means they will not be able to sort of engage the vital forces that are necessary for productivity. So being ignorant of them or not engaging them, because in organizations, sometimes you hear people say, I'm professional, I'm not here to be your friend, almost like treating emotions as enemies, that there's no room for emotions in the corporate space. But here's the thing, emotions are part of who you are as a person, like the same way you have eyes and a nose. It's there for a reason. (laughs) You've got thumb or yens that you're going to be using to be able to get things done. Equally important are your emotions. They are part of the whole, as you mentioned it. And so to be able to engage people fully and get the most out of people, we cannot not do that without engaging emotions. And we are seeing the detrimental effect of ignoring emotions with the increase of issues like depression. Now we're paying attention to well-being issues. Central to well-being is emotions. If people are unable to process and deal with their own emotions, guess what? We're going to have mental and emotional and psychological breakdowns. We're going to have relational strains that are necessary because people are not aware or are not paying attention to the way they are impacting others and also realizing that if I impact on others this way and I'm evoking or provoking negative emotions, I'm getting an interfering in with productivity in the organization, right? So I think for me, it's, it, this is, is huge. And when you deal with change, for example, any change that we experience in any organization evokes emotions like fear. So if you're not engaging the fear, you will be you know, wanting change and people are stuck in the fear zone because they don't know how to process or navigate this fear until they get to a place where they can reconstruct themselves that is adapt to the changing environment. So we've often seen a lot of organizations come up with change interventions that fail. Why? Because they look at processes and systems and they forget to look at the human system that is going to actually affect the change or that they need to change because behavior, remember, our performance on anything depends on how we feel about it. Emotions basically drive behavior. So if we want behavior change, we cannot do behavior change outside of understanding emotions. So I think for me, this is very interesting that, you know, we need to start understanding and placing the importance of emotions in organizations or in people generally where they need to be so that we can begin to reap the results or the the, the benefits of engaging our own emotions rather than discarding or ignoring, repressing or suppressing them. Oh, yeah. 
I love all of that. And it seems like we get really caught up. There's so much financial fear as though like change means that we're going to lose. And I think of it as like, it's a fluctuation, right? It's an ebb and flow as we change. We need to have those times. Uh, I actually had this come up with a client recently, and I would love to see what you do with this because last time we spoke, we had some fun analogy play. But it's that idea of if you're doing like a car race, you have to pull over for the pit stop. And it feels like people are passing you when you Mm -hmm. pull over for the pit stop. But Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, your car is going to break down in the race. Like you're not going to make it through like, you know, the movie Cars. Yeah. Lightning McQueen breaks down and has to learn that. And I feel like individuals experience that where Mm -hmm. we need to take pauses and look at stuff. And corporations, organizations need to do that. And I think there's that fear of that loss of money in doing Mm -hmm. that pause to look at not just how do we maximize our strategies, but how do we engage the people component? Like how important that is? Because yes, okay, you can automate to a certain extent, but you're still, regardless, you're still dealing with people, whether it's the people you're serving or the people who work for you and who are doing that serving for the organization. Mm. What does it look like to support an organization in that kind of change? Like dealing with fear as an organization seems like there might be some similarities, but also some differences. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times, as you mentioned, the organization will fear the loss of productivity. They think that if they stop and engage people, they're wasting time. Mm -hmm. So you often hear leaders talk to you about, you know, where do I get time to do that? And I always say, you are going to be forced anyway to find time (laughs) (laughs) over time, (laughs) right? You either find time now when there's no problem, or you're going to be forced to find time. And by that time, you will also be dealing with a whole lot of issues that are painful rather than do a preventative, right? So I think that is the key thing that, yes, we do have fear of loss of time, but how much more time can we save? I find that when people are engaging in their emotions, they begin to accelerate because they are completely in touch and always in tune because what emotions are, they're just feedback loops. They're just signals that are telling you how things are within yourself and around you. So when you're able to stay in tune and in touch, your navigation or your adapting to the environment is quicker and faster rather than saying we don't need to engage these emotions or we should just ignore them or it's a waste of time because eventually we will be forced anyway to look at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I I mean. I often look at it in terms of like that alignment Mm. of like when you're aligned and, you know, what does that mean? Being in tune with those components as an individual, holistically, but also societally and structurally, like, what does that look like? You have a quote that I've used before, and it was actually the reason that I reached out to you in the first place. Mm. And that was that emotions can either get in your way or get you on the way. And I'm curious what that looks like. Expound upon that. So when we talk about emotions getting in the way, I mean, when you look at emotions, emotions are literally supposed to last maybe a few minutes in our body. Like if you look at the research by six seconds, for example, they'll talk about you release the emotion in six seconds throughout your whole body. But also another research talks about, you know, an emotion having a lifespan of a minimum of two minutes. 
and a maximum lifespan of 13 hours because you're releasing the different hormones and these hormones have got lifespans that they have. But the glitch that we often have, though, is our thinking brain that we can ruminate, we can replay things. So an event can happen in the morning. And if you know how to process it, you can process it between that two minutes to 13 hours. And so your ability to self-regulate will determine how quick you will navigate through an emotion or otherwise you can actually get stuck. So if you replay an emotion, because that's what our brain can do, right? The glitch, our brains do not know the difference between remembrance, memory, or imagination, things you're thinking about tomorrow. You can create anxiety about something that's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year even. And reality, right? So when you don't understand the emotional processes or emotions to be able to process them. You can get stuck in replaying emotions. And so when you replay emotions, I often say to people, anxiety and panic attacks or depression can be looked at as practice. You don't just wake up one day and you're depressed. You have practiced a certain emotion like sadness or anger or fear over time through spaced repetition until it became very intense it decreases in intensity and the duration, it's like almost now semi-permanent in your body. Mm. And then also the frequency, you're feeling it often, right? So in that way, you become stuck. You can become stuck in that it becomes maladaptive. You cannot change or move forward. You cannot even change your behavior, let alone your own thinking and your own emotion. So you get stuck in this place that's not nice to be. We start talking about people as someone who has anger issues. Mm-hmm. No, people aren't born with anger issues. It's spaced repetition of an event that was not good for you or that felt like it was blocking you from achieving something. And therefore, over time, when we repeat these emotions, they become part of our identity. I normally say you start with an emotion. It becomes a mood. It becomes an attitude. It becomes an identity because it does change your physiological expression. When you have someone who say, this person has got anger issues. If you look at their facial physiological expression, you can already see an angry person. So it has actually changed their own physiology. So in that space, and I remember I struggled with anger because I grew up in a very abusive household, but my whole demeanor, I mean, you couldn't talk to me because I was cross. (laughs) And you'd be cross with people that have no idea what happened to you, you know? So you get stuck in that place where you are now through this emotion that is probably negative and maladaptive. It's not getting you the results you want. Mm -hmm. It's not getting you to the place where you want to be. So that is getting stuck. Yeah. You know, it makes sense that it's protective at first. It supports you in the moment. It makes sense. There's a reason it's there. Yeah. And then we replay it as a protection over and over and over again until it's decontextualized. And outside of the context that it originated in, it becomes maladaptive because it doesn't actually fit. I was listening to Resma Minikim speak a while back. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was saying how trauma decontextualized in a person looks like personality. And and it often we then integrate it as an identity, as who we are, instead of realizing that it's an adaption. It's something that we've taken on and that is something that we can do something about as long as we've taken it, recontextualize it, and then engage it differently. So that's that piece of it gets in the way. What does it look like to get on the way? Right. So we we know that emotions are neither bad or good. They are. So whether positively charged or negatively charged, all they are, they are feedback loops. They are telling you what's going on. And so if you are able to understand them as feedback loops to say, I'm receiving, it's a signal, it's a feedback. What is it telling me? Right. So you can use your fear to thrive. 
you can use anger. You know, what does it say? Anger is a leadership emotion. You're seeing what's not right that shouldn't be there. But if you're then able to say, how do I model? How do I bring that which is not there? So it can actually get you on the way because now you're creating that which you think is not there. Anger has just been a feedback. It's told you what's not right, what's being blocked from you or from what you probably would want to see in your life, right? So any of these emotions can be adaptive tools. We can use them to progress, to move forward. I often say it depends on where you put your fear. If you put it in front of you, it will become a block. You put it behind you, it's going to be fuel. Mm. So emotions can fuel us. I mean, look, our worst behaviors are driven by emotions. So are our best behaviors. Yeah. Well, that meaning that you're talking about, living a meaningful life, there's absolutely an emotion behind that. I mean, anytime I feel like I'm engaged in my meaning and, and like the reason I'm here, it feels that expansive, that joy, those pleasurable emotions. And so to know, okay, this resonates, this is aligned, there's movement here instead of those places where it's like, there's a charge, as you said, there's Mm. this, like, I'm being given a burst of energy to address something. What is it? And am I using that energy in a way that is supportive? Or is it destructive? I mean, sometimes we need destructive energy, right? Like there are some times where we need to break things down in order to create something new. True. But we can't create something new in that same energy as we broke it down in. That's it. That awareness is so key so that you can move. Last time we spoke, we had a good time with this analogy that you just brought up of the positive and negative, because I had heard you speak before and Mm -hmm. you would often use the positive negative while you also acknowledge that it's not like emotions, like you just said, are neither positive nor negative. They just are. But then you would use the terms positive and negative. And I was like, so what do you mean by that when you use that? Is that like just a way to help people understand because everybody's thinking in this binary of positive and negative? And you explained it to me with the charge, like you just said. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that shift in the way we conceptualize them. Yeah. So there's a thing that says the world is made up of equal positives and equal negatives right? There's nothing that is one-sided. So when you look at electricity, for example, you've got the positive charge and the negative charge, and you do have the neutral, right? Yeah, that's what we were talking about before. It's like, what's the, what brings it to ground, right? Yes. Grounding. <laughs> right? So emotions, when we say negative or positive, we're not meaning bad or good. It just means the charge, the balance. It's the charge. It's negatively charged. It's positively charged, but it's not meaning that it's bad or it's good. That's not in that sense, but that when you are looking at emotions, you can see that this is a negative charge. Even when you actually do like almost like a test of your swab in your mouth, when you are experiencing dominant negative emotions, you're releasing too much cortisol and you can actually see, you know, what's going on in terms of your body chemistry. So it's not that they're bad or good. It's just they negatively charged, positively charged. Think of it in the form of electricity where you've got a positive and a negative charge, if that makes sense. I love that because it reminds me of how everything is energy. We're all just Mm. vibrating energy. And so like, how are you vibrating determines how you impact the other vibrations around you. And so that's how we lead is through that vibration. And that's my training has uh, is in energy leadership. And it has that concept of like that vibration, what dynamic are you vibrating in? And I like, as we dug into that idea of ground, like bringing it to ground, like people talk about the idea of grounding or centering or like, you know, that spiritual concept of bringing in to, to the ground. I don't know how else to say that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but but when you have an emotional charge, mm-hmm. being able to bring it to ground to center, if you're not familiar with it, if you don't have an awareness around it. I mean, sometimes when you do this work, like then you're like, oh, I know what this charge is. I've, yeah. I'm familiar with this charge. But if you're not familiar, mm-hmm. we need to be able to bring it to ground because we don't have any way to discharge it. If you yeah. know what it is, if you've done the work, then you can discharge yeah. it appropriately. Yeah. But if you haven't yeah. done that work around it, or if it's new or unfamiliar, you need to be able to bring it to ground mm-hmm. first, because otherwise yeah. it's going to discharge in a way that maybe electrocute somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Do you do you have tools that you like to use to help people bring it to ground, as it were, when they're first stepping into this kind of exploration? And understanding. Yeah. So I think the first thing I normally talk about a five-step process of managing an emotion. And the first is really just naming it. Mm-hmm. I am feeling anxious. But a lot of us are not schooled around emotions. We often identify with emotions like I am angry. Mm-hmm. And that sort of increases its intensity versus I am feeling. Mm-hmm. Just naming it. Oh, that's that difference like, between I am and I feel. It's like identity yes. versus experience. Yes. I love that. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel anxious. I feel. And I often say, you know, emotions are like children. They love attention. Yeah. The moment you name it, that moment you give it a validation, something shifts rather than ignoring it. So the first step is naming it. And the second is locating it. Where in your body is it? Mm. We can all feel anxiety, but we may not be doing the same things with our bodies. How do you hold anxiety in your body? How do you hold anger in your body? Mm -hmm. In my first years of dealing with emotions, when I was trying to locate, I realized when I feel angry, my hands shake. It's like a weird thing, right? When I'm feeling angry, my hands will start shaking. And so I had to learn to just locate and observe. Because before I had the awareness my hands would shake and they would move in all directions because there was no self-regulation. There was no observation. There's no awareness of the body in terms of what am I doing with myself as I'm experiencing this emotion. So locate and then observe it. When you've observed the emotion, it has no choice except to dissipate. So the fourth step is allow the emotion to move through, like dissipate. Let the emotion dissipate because you've observed it. It will leave your body. I always say to people, feel your emotions from below your forehead down to your feet. Don't Mm. replay. Don't send it back up to the brain because that's what gets stuck. When you start replaying the event, who do they think they are? Who do they think they don't know who I am? You are actually replaying and reproducing the same electrochemical signal and so increasing its duration and frequency and intensity in your body by simply talking to yourself. So our self-talk becomes very critical. You need to pay attention to how you're speaking to yourself because we can just charge ourselves through self-talk. So name it, locate it, observe it, dissipate, let it move through. And the last one is question it, question it. Because Mm -hmm. emotions are basically feedback. They're telling us something. So you want to be able to get the information that is contained in the emotional data. What is the information contained in the emotional data? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling angry? What is being blocked? So there's a questioning technique that people can use to question their emotions so that they can understand what's going on with their emotions. And this is you act on your emotions, not act out your emotions. With this five-step process, you're engaging your emotions. You're not dealing with anyone. You're just dealing with you. Mm -hmm. And only after you've gone through the five-step process and understood what your needs are, then you are actually in a space where you can communicate that with sobriety. 
Mm, I like that you use that word too. What you want a high. Yeah. I like that you use that word too. that like an emotional sobriety. I grew up in a home impacted by alcoholism. And that was one of those things was it was alcohol was used to avoid the emotions. And so once that was out of the picture, suddenly there were emotions that nobody knew how to deal with. And it was very volatile until there was not just sobriety from the substance, but also an emotional sobriety. And so learning that is so key. So I appreciate that word. And and also the question is so often we feel an emotion and we judge it right away, you know, like that good, bad, instead of like, this mm-hmm. is, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a bad emotion. I don't want it. Make it go away. Or this is a good emotion. I want more of it. You know, it, instead of going through that process that you just laid out and then being able to go, okay, what is this emotion telling me about the way I'm experiencing what's happening? And what do I need to be able to show up the way I want to show up, given the way what's happening here is impacting me. And then, you know, we go into like the the boundaries and like communication tools and all of that. But we can't do that until we, as you described it, instead of sending it back up, we actually have to literally bring it to ground, bring it down (laughs) in our bodies, like bring it through, let it move. Let it move through. It's that has that spiritual aspect to it almost of like the receive and then we need to send it back. If you think about it, it's also an element of getting stuck. When you start replaying it, it doesn't yeah. move through. Yeah. And it's also getting stuck. You start just replaying it, you know, going back, going back, and it's actually not moving through and out. So the word emotion, there's an, a Latin word, emovere, which means move through and out. That's cool. So emotions are literally supposed to move through and, and out. out. Yeah. I've always <laughs> thought of it as like emotion, like E stands for energy in science. So like emotion, energy in motion, like you need it to move through. But I didn't know yeah. that there was a whole nother. There's just, it, it's all telling you. <laughs> Let yeah. it move. Let it move through. I love yeah. that. I'm yeah. curious. One of the things I've been wondering about is you've worked all over the place. Like you've worked with so many different social dynamics and cultural dynamics. Have you noticed any patterns in particular places where, and maybe it's corporate versus the spiritual places, any patterns that have stood out to you that you're like, really, this work is going well here or needs work here or anything in particular that you've noticed in this expansive work that you've done? So I think, you know, considering that I live in Africa, right? One of the things patterns I've noticed is having people who are too religious, but out of touch with their emotions to the extent that it's actually destroying society. I don't know if that makes sense. Like people are, it's almost like a delusion where people are out of touch with themselves and their behaviors in pursuit of a higher power, but in a way that does not acknowledge that you need to be in touch with you. You're part of the process. I mean, if, for example, if you believe in God, you're made in his image. So you want to be able to understand that image that you are so that you can connect to the other image that you're seeking. So there's a lot of spiritualizing, even issues that are not as spiritual, like you know, I'm not saying emotions are not spiritual, but I mean, you have got emotional challenges. You tend to actually think that it's spiritual. Yeah, that actually really resonates with the concept of spiritual bypassing. It's a way of using spirituality to avoid. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And I think most of that is actually out of ignorance because we don't teach emotional literacy anyway. There's no way you find it in school. It's not there. So if you don't find it by chance, like I did, <laughs> you have never been exposed. So you have no idea, yeah. you know, how to manage your emotions or even understand your own emotions at a, at a personal level. So I think I find the trend of 
ignoring emotions, that spiritual bypassing, I love that word, a lot Mm -hmm. in religious institutions and organizations. In corporate as well, although people are starting to open up, now training a lot of emotional intelligence, people are starting to open up. But I I think there's always been this, you know, there's no room for emotions here. Come here, leave your emotional handbag outside the door, get the work done and get yourself going. Right. But we're starting to see that people with all the well-being challenges, mental health challenges, but also leadership challenges. We're starting to see the gaps in leadership to say, hey, if leaders are unaware of how they're impacting people, we're starting to see these issues come up where cultures that are toxic, we're starting to talk about toxic cultures. What is that? If we are not engaging emotions, suppressing and oppressing them, they will definitely become toxic and corrosive. So that is what happens within organizational spaces that some organizations are still, you know, living emotions. But we do know that, I mean, talk to phone new organizations, you know, take all their employees through emotional intelligence once a year. So it's not something that you say, I did last year. You do it every other year because it gets eroded. Things change. Right? Yeah. You need the reminder. You need the awareness. It's a skill that you're constantly building. You don't arrive. It's not arriving off about this particular skill, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's why I mean, I'm always saying as well, when you're looking for alignment, you're not static, you're dynamic. Mm. So we're always changing. And of course, as those emotions move through, they impact us, they change us, they shift us. And that idea that like, we're human, we're human, we're here to have a human experience, whether you know, like, spiritual beings having a human experience, you can't cut out the human experience part. And it feels like I resonate a lot with what you're describing of like, we've almost been taught, okay, in our personal life, it's all about disconnecting so that we don't have to deal with whatever we have at work and work, you know, we're supposed to be machines. So if you can have that belief of like something later, then I don't need to, you know, or something beyond this experience, because we're not allowed to look at, hey, this is uncomfortable. This is painful. This is, Mm. this is sad. This is Mm. hurtful that, you know, like to be able to lean into the change that that necessitates when we look at those things. And another interesting one, Valerie, also is a pattern, is men struggling to engage emotions. And I think this is socialization men battling with emotions. And I often use, you know, when I'm teaching emotional intelligence in my context saying, look at the number of mentally disturbed men on the road. Look at the number of men in prison. Look at the number of men who are addicted, who are on some kind of substance, because we're still socializing our boy children, male children saying, you know, men don't have to cry. Men don't have to be this and that. And so they find it even difficult to actually access things like well-being providers. Like in our context, we have, you know, well-being providers like ICAS, just calling for counseling, for psychological counseling. They find it very difficult. They don't do those things. They feel like they're breaking down or they are inadequate or something is wrong with them when they do those things. And yet all of us, For example, with the COVID-19, none of us can say we were untouched by the experiences. Oh, goodness, no. We were touched by this experience. And so we need an outlet. We need someone to help us to get perspective. We need to be able to release the emotions that we all experience during this time. Otherwise, as you said, we will discharge them onto somebody. And that's why we had an increase in violence during this COVID-19 period. Yeah, absolutely. Without the tools... We're either avoiding or shoving it into ourselves or we're discharging it onto other people. And yeah, absolutely. That creates all kinds of a mess. So so I super appreciate the work that you're doing <laughs> in these spaces to help the organizations be able to show up to 
these needs both for individuals, but, you know, in helping make it normal, like normalizing it in the education within the spaces. There's so much more we could cover, We're like scratch the surface. So where can people find you if they want to learn more from you? I am on LinkedIn, so people can look up Dr. Mavis Majura on LinkedIn. I'm also available on Facebook, at Twitter, even not as active on Twitter, but people can get in touch with me there. I'm trying to get a YouTube channel going. It's always, you know, work gets in the way, so you're not as consistent as you would like to do. Um, but I am really, really interested in getting more people become emotionally literate and conversant around emotions because this will be useful really for organizations, but for our families and our society as a whole. So yeah, that is where people can get hold of me. Awesome. And I like to wrap up with two questions for my guests. The first is, what does it mean to you to be unlimited? So for me to be unlimited is having elastic energy, being able to renew and expand your energy to be able to do what you need to do. It means travelizing, right? If there's no path, you find the path, right? It means being goal-oriented, focused, having that ability to focus on the things that you want to achieve and being able to continually progress towards those things. That for me is being unlimited. Awesome. And if you want to evoke that unlimited feeling, what song would you listen to? Wow, that's interesting. So I'm a very religious person, so I'll probably go and dig some of my religious songs, but nothing comes to mind right now. So I have a playlist that I put mm. together on Spotify, and I like to add a song for each guest. So is there one that you would like to add to that playlist? I'm going to pull out my playlist, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. So what comes up that I normally probably listen to is Unstoppable by Sia and Not Afraid Eminem and The Power by Snap. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been an amazing conversation. I have really enjoyed it so much. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to more conversations. It's always interesting to speak to someone in the same field. I walk away also having learned so much from talking to you and your own experiences and your own learning around emotions. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Just a reminder again that this will be the only episode in September. I will be back again in October with some spooky episodes around that gremlin voice or inner critic. And the thing that is often called imposter syndrome and how to deal with it. So be sure to subscribe so you do not miss those episodes. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and if you have any other topics that you would like to hear on this podcast, so please reach out and let me know. I love to hear from you, and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot, and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.